0: Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Franci, and I am your host, and I want to begin by saying thank you for listening. On this show, I am having conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some amazing and extraordinary results in both their life and business. My intention is to inspire and help you learn and grow by having my guests share their journey of how they face and overcome their challenges, but also how they celebrate their many wins. And now let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today is a good friend and a times coach. Alan Kahn is back by popular demand for the sixth time on the show. And Alan has over 40 years of experience as a highly successful entrepreneur, manager, trainer, and executive coach for high-performing teams and individuals in business and education and human services. He has an extensive and proven track record for success in coaching people who have big, audacious dreams, and who are committed to realizing breakthrough results. His experience is wide-ranging and includes working with teams in international corporate settings as well as individuals and families. As you will discover in this episode, Alan is an engaging relations coach with an approach that is built on collaborating to identify what truly matters to whomever he is speaking with to support them in designing clear-cut pathways and direct actions to fulfill their visions, both personally and professionally. He has a unique talent for disruptive, context-shifting questions and interactions. And today, he and I have a lot of fun and an engaging conversation that goes down several different rabbit holes as we catch up to reconnect. Listen in and enjoy. Without any further delays, let's get this show started. Alan Kahn, welcome back to the Everyday Millionaire podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. It's great to see you again. It's been a while. You know, I almost said, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, because number one, I do those with Stephanie and you almost fall into that category. Well, not almost. You actually do fall into that. So I don't know where we're going to put this one. But, you know, for now, we're going to call it the Everyday Millionaire podcast. Uh, You've been on the show. This is which how many times you've been on the show now? This is number five. Number five, and you are always one of the favorites, no doubt about that. When people are saying to Alan Kahn today, Alan, what do you do? How do you answer that these days? Because it's been a while, and uh, you've covered a lot of ground since the last time we spoke.
1: You know, I, I I still like the the name. I I'm a status quo disruptor, yeah, and an evolutionary accelerator. You know, I'm still of the opinion, you know, that there is a a predictable future, which if we don't interrupt the status quo, that's what we'll have in our business, in our relationships, in our life, in our health. And then there's a created, a, a possible future. And you have to be willing to step outside of that comfort zone, that status quo in every area if you want unpredictable results. And then I say evolutionary accelerator because, I don't know, all, all forecasts of doom and gloom aside, I think we are evolving. We
0: are evolving. Let's, you know, let's unpack There's a lot to unpack in that short statement that you just made. But let's start with when you look at and say, you know, somebody who's willing to break the status quo, which means, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. Can you give us an example of, you know, what that might look like? You know, uh, an example of where status quo might be keeping us very predictable if we want a
1: predictable future. You
0: know, what does it look like?
1: Yeah, it's great. You know, let's take the area of health. You know, there are um, people I work with and and people I know. I, I don't know anyone who wants to be less healthy. People want to be more healthy. Yeah. And yet people find it very challenging to start new patterns that will give you new, better health. You know, we, our brains are want to expend as little energy as possible and want us to expend so if there's ever a lion or a tiger coming after us we have all the stored reserve and as you know you know i know you take care of your health it takes energy to start new patterns it takes an environment to support you in continuing with those new patterns and most people think that just the desire or the commitment is enough And yet we know that there's so many things we would like, we have a desire for, and yet we don't have them because we're living in the same paradigm, taking the same actions and wanting a different result.
0: So when you're working with somebody, let's just hang on to that health conversation for a little bit. It's one that I'm familiar with. I've trained for many, many years and been consistent with it. But I have to say, when we went through the lockdowns, well, some people just embraced it and went, okay, I'm going to be a workout fiend every day, which they did. I kind of went, no, I lost my inspiration, my motivation. Uh, My environment is very, very good. As you know, I got a fantastic gym, uh, an oversized gym, if you will, right in my... uh, in my just outside my home like in my yard but i wasn't really inspired to do it now you spoke of the environment you know when you're working with clients and you have that scenario where it's one thing to take somebody that has never gotten off the couch or hasn't been off the couch for years and years and years or whatever that might be it's one thing to get them fired up and going but what about somebody like in my case i'm back to training again but it took a lot it is a huge mental shift to get my ass in gear and get back to work what the hell's going on any thoughts on that
1: yeah i i don't spend any time with what's going on hmm. i don't spend any time with people looking at why or their explanations i only spent you know i'd rather look up and forward than back and down so when we look up and forward what are the actions that are needed people need to take so i have two people three people who I'm working with now, where every single day we are, they're texting me and just so that they don't feel like they're deficient, I text them on whether we did what we said we were going to do regarding our health, period. Every day. Now, my my experience tells me that 30 days is usually for most people enough to then take that structure out and have people move it to once a week. Mm-hmm. No, and then move it. I'm a contrarian and uh, you know a rule breaker. Even the rules I set for myself. So I'm looking at what's the least amount of structure we need to put in place to keep people taking new actions until it becomes habituated.
0: Well, I think you said something there that uh, at least if I heard it this way, and and I and I. Think I heard it, which is that what are you working backwards from? So, in other words, you know, forget about why you're not doing it. The question is, is perhaps why you are doing it. Why do you want to do it? Where are you going? What are you working backwards from? And give yourself a shorter term, maybe spread. Say, okay, well, you know, okay, you want to be a a bodybuilder. Great. That's a long term plan. But what are you going to achieve in the next 30, 60, 90 days and keep working backwards from that? Is that
1: Totally. As a matter of fact, I like that you said that because there was a period, you know, I I know you have to put things in your calendar and and most people, the only thing they put in their calendar are meetings they're having with other people or calls. They don't put in when they're going to exercise, when they're going to work out. So I noticed for a number of months, this is 20 years ago that I had in my calendar workout or exercise and I'd ignore it. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I changed it. It says in my calendar, Alan's one for a while. It said Alan's body is healthy and fit. Mm. That's the that's what I was working towards. That was my why. To quote Simon, right? What I'm wor- why I, I was, then a, then for a while I had. I think you've heard me say this. Alan is healthy till the day he dies. Mm-hmm. Again, that's what I'm working towards. So, we're much more motivated when there's something we're working towards than when there's something we're avoiding. You know, it's
0: an interesting conversation. And we'll, I want to spend a little bit of time on health because I think it's so important. You know, again, all the success in the world kind of comes to nothing if health isn't part of it and you can't enjoy it you know, as I was sharing with you just offline, we were catching up a little bit and I shared my mom was 95 years old. And I've always been a fitness buff. And what I came to the conclusion about, gosh, not that long ago, I'm going to say five or seven years ago, and uh, another mutual friend of ours, Nick, and him and I, he's a real fitness guy. And I got into it with him one day, we were talking about workouts and training and all the rest of it. Here's what, the kind of the moment in time was a bit of a revelation which is fitness is not the same as wellness yeah. now here's a fundamental understanding my mom's 95 she was not a fitness queen she didn't go to the gym ever she did yoga when nobody even knew yoga existed she was doing it while watching a black and white tv at 6am before she went to the office now what's interesting about all of that what she did on a regular basis at times every day but always on a weekly basis was she did the simplest thing in the world she walked And she walked 30, 40, 60 minutes when she did go for a walk. And she was doing that at 90 years old, her and two or three. And they had their walkers, actually. And so they would rest every so often. But they'd literally walk a kilometer, one way, a kilometer back. Here's the point. Her fitness wasn't particularly high. Her wellness, well the proofs in the pudding is off the yeah. charts. And that's yeah. such an important distinction. I think a lot of people confuse fitness with wellness and even those who are just getting started. Any any thoughts on that? Because I know that
1: you're about being well. A thousand percent. So, you know, at age, you know, I'm 73 now at age 42, I looked forward and I created this future of being healthy till the day I die. Mm-hmm. Now, on the side, I always wanted to have washboard abs. Sure. Well, that—that's—that's that's fit. I—I I never got there, and I realized that the main main reason I wanted washboard abs was because I wanted to be attractive to women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, on the other side of it, I'm happily married. Been there for 45 years. That in with Catherine, it keeps getting better. She doesn't care whether my stomach is flat or not. So I said, I'm not really committed to being fit, but I am committed to being healthy. And I looked at four things that Im- impact health. One is your my immune system. So what am I doing to keep my immune system strong? Two is what am I doing uh, with regards to rest? What am I doing with regards to aerobic activity? And what am I doing to keep a, a positive mindset? Because we do know a positive... I bet your mom is one of the most positive people you know. 100%. It's rare that you meet someone who's 95, who what they are is a complainer. Very, very rare. So, you know, what am I doing that's having my mindset, my emotions, and my body be healthy and my immune system? And it's funny. I had an hour break in my schedule today. Catherine and I went for a 45-minute walk, and I brought two... She walks a little, sometimes slower than I want to walk. So I brought two seven pound weights with me. So I'm doing the weights while we're doing our 40 minute walk. And then I don't like to spend a lot of time doing this stuff. I think you were more fitness buff than I ever was and and you still are, but there's an app that I downloaded from the New York Times, the scientific studies, you know, workout regime. It's I'm up to 16 minutes, 13 exercises, one minute each with a 15 second break in between. When I first started, it was 30 seconds with a 15 second break in between. Now it's a minute. So it's 17 minutes, 13 different exercises. I'm in the aerobic zone the whole time and don't need any equipment.
0: That's fantastic. But see, that to me is a great program, you know, to follow to stay well. With that comes the the mental health as well. I mean, you're oxygenating the body, you're getting oxygen yeah. flowing, you're taking your mind off whatever stresses you might have in the moment, and it's a great way to uh, stay well in, you know, healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, of course, at all. Kind yeah. of kind of ripple
1: effect, right? And you know, for me, Patrick, there For me, being healthy is a means to an end. You and I are both, and maybe many of the listeners, we're living a life of purpose. You know, I I don't get out, I get out of the bed in the morning, not because I have things to do, but there's a a commitment that I have, a difference that I want to make, whether I'm on a vacation, whether I'm working. It's all the same with just staying true to my purpose. So, My health is second because I know, like you said earlier, if I'm not healthy, it's going to be very challenging to live a life of purpose because my focus is going to be on where my aches and pains are, what pills do I have to take, you know, all those things other than what's my purpose and how do I stay true to it.
0: Well, you know, it's so interesting is that, you know, I love, I want to get into this conversation of purpose. I also want to touch on operating system. You know, there's a fundamental philosophy that I know that you share, which is how I explain it is probably different, but I think the outcome is the same, which is we are the epicenter of our life. We are the center of our universe. And in that being of the center is that around us is our family, our businesses, our friends, or whatever our universe consists of. We're in the middle of it. You know, we are the CEO of our life, if you want to say it that way, however you want to do it. But ultimately, being the epicenter is that in order for us to look after all of the things that we need to look after, we have to look after ourselves. Got it. You know, if the proverbial shit hits the fan because we're not staying healthy, or if we're not looking after ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, all of those things, we're no good to anybody. It is the classic case of put your oxygen mask on first. And yes. this is kind of along that. Now, but part of what drives that whole thought process, I think, is that you need to have purpose. So, Let's dig into, you know, what is, you know, if you're the center of your universe and you're the center of your purpose, if you will, you're driving the bus, you know, how do, how do you describe that? How do you describe it?
1: Yeah. I start from a different place and I think I wind up in the same place that you are. Mm-hmm. So where I start from is we're part of a whole rather than I'm the epicenter. Got it. We are part of a whole. The whole is called humanity, period. If there wasn't humanity, you and I wouldn't be here. (laughs) We are part of something called humanity. And our lives can be about what are we going to get or what are we going to contribute, period. Now, I like the image of I'm a little bubble on this evolutionary wave, but my job is to be the best bubble I can be That's part of this evolutionary wave. And I consider you and I part of the same wave. Mm -hmm. Really, we are part of the same, which is why we resonate. And we recognize, you recognize people who are part of the same wave, whose roots are in the same soil. How we're expressing may be different. You mentioned operating system, being someone who is... Uh, has an operating system of arrogance and self-importance, it's been important for me to create a different narrative that I'm the epicenter of the universe, but I'm part of something that's bigger than me, that was here before me, that will be here after I'm gone, and what's the contribution I'm going to make? Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to make that contribution, I need to be healthy. Period. Period. Yeah, I need to have my relationships be healthy. I need to have my. I need to be a demonstration of health.
0: You're right. So you you come at it a slightly different way, but the result is pretty much the same. So it's kind. But I love that perspective. That's the. That's what I love when I have these conversations with you. Is the expansion of that perception. Now you touched on purpose. You know, I mean, gosh, it's got to be one of the. I mean, most asked questions or I don't know what my purpose is. I don't, you know, and then it's, I don't know what my passion is. And, you know, like there's all these kind of phrases and words being used. Let's talk a little bit about it because I know you do work in that space. When somebody says to you, Alan, I don't know my purpose. uh, You got to help me. What do you, you, where do you
1: start? So I, I start with defining what a purpose is and, you know, it's not the definition It's a definition. Mm -hmm. So a definition of purpose is like a mission statement, a direction, an impact, an outcome, a purpose. It's not a goal. So let me say what it's not. It's not a goal. It's not what you're going to do. It's the impact you're going to make. End of story. Impact where? Everywhere you go. And It's the impact you're committed to making, even if you don't go there. You know, the analogy that I like to use is you and I were invited to a party and we were invited to the party because the organizers of the party wanted us to make a contribution to that party to impact the quality of the party. So that party's going on right now. There's 8 billion people at it. Why did they invite Alan to the party? Why did they invite Patrick? I say why I'm invited to the party. And you get to say, mm-hmm. you know, you know the, no one's going to tell you, here's your purpose. No, you get to say. So I said I was invited to the party because the organizers wanted all hearts to be full and all beings to be enlightened. Mm-hmm. Full stop. So in every interaction with you, with my wife, with the folks at the coffee shop, you know on the airplane with my clients am i staying true to that purpose am i leaving people with a better access to their hearts being full and to being enlightened mm-hmm.
0: okay let me let me just be on the other side of that for a minute yeah. and i'm going to kind of go into it and i do have an understanding of where you come from because we've worked together many times over the yeah. years but let me just kind of be the naive one here and ask the fundamental question you know what you just said is, that's pretty big. Like, that's really profound. Like, I don't, I I don't even know what that, you know, I don't even know what that would mean for me. Yeah. And so how do I get to that? Like, how do I, you know, like I'm, I'm now 40 years old. Um, you know, I've got three kids, a wife, I got a career. I'm going through the TikTok every freaking day. The stress is the shits and my don't have enough money. And, you know, interest rates are going up. The world's coming to an end. How the hell am I supposed to have any other purpose but to survive and look after my family?
1: I love that you said it that way, Patrick, because that's what's there by default. You know, our brain's job is to have us survive. Mm -hmm. End of story. And it's working full time to do that. Looking out for threats, coming up with strategies, you know, avoiding things, going towards other things. So our brain do not care if we're fulfilled or if we're happy, unless they've been retrained mm-hmm. by default, our brains want to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. So our brains get, in the morning. The first thing our brain thinks of is what do I have to do today? Not who am I going to be today? But what do I have to do today? Which is why most people are tired at the end of the day. Cause all they were doing was doing things. They weren't being something. So, how to find your purpose is what, when you interact with somebody and you're inspired by the impact you had on them, what is that impact? Or if you have three kids, what is it that you really want for your kids? And people will start, well, I want them to be have good jobs. I want them to be healthy. Good. But what's the experience you want your children to be living inside of? for the rest of their lives. Oh, well, I I want them to be grateful and connected. Okay, so maybe your purpose is people are great living in gratitude and being connected to others. You know, so what is it that inspires you when you have that impact on another? You know, that's one of the simple ways that people find their purpose in just a short conversation.
0: So when we talk about our purpose. So for example, you know when you look at your purpose, somebody could say, you know, what's the expectation? So in other words, what are you getting in return? What's in it for you? What's in it for you? When we look at purpose, you know, from my definition of it is we're living our purpose, we're just being true to ourselves without an expectation around it. And it's because we're we're living true to who we are, what lights us up, what Where our heart takes us, where our soul takes us, our spirit, it isn't about, okay, well, you know, now you owe me. But, you know, can you you expand on that a little bit? I'm probably not doing a great job.
1: We just said it better than I would have said it. Okay. When you're living true to your purpose, you disappear. (laughs) You disappear inside of your purpose. You know, life becomes an opportunity. To fulfill on you, to get better and better and better. And by better and better and better, what I mean is more reliable for staying true. Mm-hmm. So the game I'm playing with my life is to be reliable for living true to my purpose 24 7, even in my dreams. And why I put even in my dreams in there is because I like big games. <laughs> even though I don't know that I can achieve that ever. That's something to strive towards, to stay reliable. When people are threatening me to stay reliable to my purpose, when I've just produced an amazing failure to stay reliable to my purpose, true to my, when I've just produced a great success and I'm getting all this acknowledgement, good, stay reliable, stay true to my purpose. So that's the direction, you know, and I like looking at purpose also, patrick as a direction you know i used to call it i think when we first met your true north Mm -hmm. but i don't like that anymore because you know if you keep going north eventually you start going south so i I call it my true east you know it's got that wisdom in the east and the orient and all so you can keep going east forever you never run out of east you do run out of north Mm -hmm. So in every interaction, was I going east? Was I going northeast? Was I going west? Was I standing still? So in every interaction, I can say, was I true to my purpose or not? And if I wasn't, what do I need to do to true it up?
0: Is it fair, Alan, to say that purpose is not about you? Yes. It's about, it's about the, contribution the contribution that you're being. Now, what gets in the way...
1: Can I just... Please do. Put one? Yeah. it's By the way, it's the same work I do with large companies and medium-sized companies. Is Their reason for being in existence is to make a profit. It's about them. Mm-hmm. If their reason for being in existence is to serve the customers, serve the community, uh, serve the shareholders, have the employees feel like it's the best place they've ever worked, don't destroy the environment while they're doing it, be a contribution, then the companies much more likely to be successful if they have a useful service or product that they're offering. Much more likely. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you make it really good. Okay. So I want to go back a couple things, you know, and again, is that, you know, you've been playing this game for many, many, many years. I mean, your history goes back into the early days of landmark work, which you did extensively for many years. You became an independent many years ago. You've worked with some of the biggest and best corporations in the world, along with some of the biggest names in the world. And when you look at this body of work that you do, it's interesting because even at that level Men and women are looking for purpose. They're still trying to find and go there. So it's it's not like this is for the the mediocre or the meek or the you know just getting started. It's at every level. Purpose is real. Uh, it's it gets in people's way.
1: And Patrick, it's something I'm moved by you, and by where the conversation goes. Because I just was thinking, you talked about mediocre at different ages. Why isn't our education system uh-huh. oriented around in fourth grade, what's your purpose? <laughs> Don't even get what, me going. Rather than three plus three equals six, what's your purpose? And are you living true to your purpose? Cause it's, you know, I, I have two grandkids they are 10 and 13. And I'll tell you, they have a, per- they have purpose mm-hmm. already and their lives are different than your average 10 year old, your average 13 year old. If you look at them, if you hang out with them, They've got wisdom, living true to something other than immediate gratification. Yeah. They still have screen time. I'm playing video games with them and all of that. But there's a purpose behind it. I want
0: to go back, though, to yeah. I don't want
1: to miss the question I wanted
0: to ask out of that, which Ooh, is this. Nah,
1: I cut you off. No, that's go good. Ahead.
0: That's good. That's perfect. The question that I was going to get to, one of many that I still have Yes. was what the hell gets in the way of people, number one, discovering their purpose first off. Yeah. And even if they find it, how do you get off? I can tell you that I've got off track somewhat in my purpose, more built around how I got off track on some values, my values, which is connected. But let's just talk about what takes people off track or gets in their way of getting to it, you know, based on your experience, because, and I know there isn't any one thing or any, you know, you know, it's just a thing, but give me, you know, based on your experience, what is some of the things that people bump up against?
1: Yeah. So it's anything that reactivates our ego, Mm. anything, or as Jung would say, anything that's in our shadow, anything that we see as a threat, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the story of Jesus on the cross right now. So there he is crucified. And what comes out of his mouth at the end of his life is forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. Mm -hmm. No, his purpose was one of love. So a practice was forgiveness. Yeah. So when your life's what gets in the way is your ego, your sense of importance, your sense of life. It is about you, not about the contribution you're going to make. And that's hard we are hardwired to have our lives be about us. Mm-hmm. when when almost everybody wakes up in the morning, the first thing on their mind is what do I have to do today? not what does anybody else have to do today? what how do how does my body feel? So we're oriented around this thing right here and this thing right here wants to survive. Mm -hmm. or putting on top of this thing right here, a sense of purpose can seem to go counter. You know, I happen to think that if everyone on the planet realized that their desire to survive rather than live a life of purpose is what's getting in the way of the planet working, (laughs) you know, we'd have a different planet that we're on, Mm -hmm. completely different. It wouldn't be, you know, John Lennon, I, me, mean, or George Harrison, I, me, mean, me, me, my. It would be a we, a we rather than an I, living a we life rather than an I life. So
0: when you look at, uh, and I want to just talk a little bit about ego, uh, you're far more, got far more experienced in terms of kind of describing it, defining it. But I, you look at ego and many think of ego, they think of I don't know. They think of arrogance, and they think of somebody who's you know maybe you know full of themselves. But that's really self-importance. Self-importance. But that's that's only one description. I mean, I look at ego, and what we understand about ego is that it also protects oneself. So in other words, you know, we talk about tall poppy, and somebody say, "Well, that's ego," but somebody else would look at it and go and go. I don't want my ego doesn't want to be seen. It wants to be it wants to hide because it wants to protect itself from being discovered, from being seen as a fake or a fraud or whatever. So ego
1: plays on both sides of that equation, right? Yeah, it's interesting because you used the word earlier uh and and I, I I don't know where why ego came out, but I think I ego came out of my mouth because it's more commonly understood than the phrase you used earlier called operating system. Mhm. So, we each have by the age of 10 or 12 or younger an operating system, a patterned way of interacting with the world, mm-hmm. of being boastful, of being secretive, of being, we have a patterned way of dealing with threats. And those, that's any patterned behavior that stimulus response is going to get in the way of us living a life of purpose, period. Because a life of purpose is a creative life. It's not automatic. It's not, it never comes automatically to live a life of purpose.
0: Okay, let me throw in a question here because I know listeners are going to be asking it. Okay, what has this got to do with me making a living and making money? Like, how do it all come together? Like, what am I just doing? Walking around, Zen-like, you know, in this yeah. ethosphere of, you know, feeling
1: good. What is it the hell you're talking about, Alan? You know, there, there is, I was just reading a book called The Mystic Manager, which is all about how do you run businesses and stay true to your purpose? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so good question. Why don't we answer that? Yeah, I love it. You know, and and as you know, I am very successful and you can be very successful living a life of contribution. You know, Tony Shea, may he rest in peace, started Zappos the first three years. There was only one purpose for Zappos existing, and it wasn't to sell shoes. It was extraordinary customer service. He lost money doing it. But he stayed true to, he said, if I build a company based on extraordinary customer service, profits are going to come out of our ears. And they did. Mm -hmm. They did. If you go to work, if you're on a salary and you're going to work to fulfill your purpose and your purpose is a big one, rather than you're going to work to fulfill your paycheck, you'll probably be the one that gets promoted and gets a raise because your work will stand out will be on a mission because you show up differently. You know, the folks who work in your, in, in, in your shop, you were just talking about them. They're on a mission. Mm-hmm. Now, do they pay attention to the bottom line? Of course. But the bottom line is the scoreboard. The bottom line is not the out, the goal. It's the scoreboard for, are you state, do you have a good business plan? Are you providing a good service? Are you taking care of your employees? The bottom line is the scoreboard. But if your company's built around the bottom line, it has less of a chance of being a success.
0: You know, I want to, uh, I'll share a little story about that. So we did talk about it just prior to getting on our call today. And I was talking about my stores in Edmonton and, and you know, my team is just crushing it. They're really doing a great job. But, you know, I went through a lot of pain through COVID. I had to show, shut down one of my stores, lay off staff. It was just a, a real tough time for everybody. But what I came back with was a really core group of guys, a core team of people, if you will, that just we sat down and, you know, and one of the things I said is that you know, here's an opportunity for you all to step up and to really create what's next for this business and for yourselves. I don't even have a key to my store anymore. Like I literally uh, go into the store once a quarter. I have calls once a week with the team that take about an hour. We touch base. We look at financial statements. It's all to say this. When I sat down with them almost four years ago now, three and a half years ago, but I said to them, let's get really clear on a couple of things. Yeah, It was literally, we're going to set and say what is the environment well i want the environment we want it organized we want it clean we want you know we want it bright we want it you know airy we want uh, people to come in and feel like this is a great space to hang out in and culturally we want service focused we want people that got our backs when we're at working as a team we know that there's no gossip there's no crap in the space and it's just a culture of support having fun getting stuff done looking after our clients and I can tell you that it has at times been difficult because we've actually had to say no to certain staff or certain potential staff that we, we know they got a great track record, but when you interview them two, three, four times, you're going, you won't last five minutes in this
1: environment, in this culture, because you just don't fit. That's right. So great, Patrick. I love that you said that. I, I went to do a, a training with a, an, an executive team uh, a few weeks ago. And they had done the work that your team did. They did the work of their values. Mm-hmm. They had five or six core values, and I created a, a my co my colleague and I created a little Excel spreadsheet. We put each value up on a screen, and then they had to type in on their phone on the form one to five to what degree do they stay true to that value, and then one to five. To what degree do they think the team is staying true to the value? Mm -hmm. And then we looked, we projected it on the screen, and there was a big gap between what people thought the team was staying true and what they thought personally. And that's where we went to work, not on their business model, (laughs) not on their plan, but to where is the gap between what their espoused values are and how they're actually operating. And then they picked one to focus on above all, and that was integrity, because that's where the biggest gap was. They they weren't reliable for doing what they said they were gonna do.
0: Okay, well now you opened up another door. Okay. There, there's so <laughs> there, there's so many doors here. There's so <laughs> many holes and round holes we can go down, but they're important. These are important conversations. When you, I want to know from your perspective, and I've often used uh, my own definition or a definition, I guess I don't own it. I've heard it and I've used it for years. What do you define integrity as? How do you define it in a way that is
1: easy to understand? Because it seems to be a very misunderstood word. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what it isn't. It's not morality. No. You know, integrity, something has integrity when it's whole and complete. So, you know, a bicycle, when it has the spokes, mm-hmm. if it's spinning and it's wobbling, when it spins, you could say the tire is lacking integrity. It's, it won't function as well. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to do? You true it up. You tighten the spokes, you loosen the spokes so it spins true. So integrity is living true to something is operating true to something, is uh, doing things the way they're meant to be done, is in the terms of your word, integrity isn't keeping your word. If you keep all of your promises, your promises are too small. Mm -hmm. But integrity is honoring your word. Mm -hmm. So if I give my word to increase performance by 5% in this quarter, Then if I have integrity, I'm going to come up with a plan that'll have me increase it 7%. So in case I miss it, I still keep my word. If it gets towards the end of the quarter and I'm not going to hit my 5%, integrity is telling, hey, Patrick, I promised 5%. I'm going to end at 4.2. I want you to know that's not what I promised, but I'm not going to keep it. And here's what I'm going to do to compensate, to make up for not keeping it. So it's not about keeping your promise, but it's about honoring your word. And when you know, you you know, it's like if you're going to be late for a meeting, you don't just show up 20 minutes late. Good. I'm in traffic. I'm going to be seven minutes late. Mm-hmm. Letting people know when you're not going to be keeping your word is part of what operating with integrity is.
0: So, let me bounce some things off you. So, I hear yeah. what you're saying, and when I hear what you're talking about, I look at that as integrity is being and keeping your word, doing what you say you're going to do as a statement of character as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay? Agreed. Okay, so I want to take it to the next level. I always hold I shouldn't I don't want to use those words. I hold integrity. Yeah. By my primary definition, yeah, which is and when it go back to integrity being structural. So in other words, Wait, it could yes. be a bridge, it could be a you know bike wheel, as you said, it could be a car, whatever. It's structural integrity. When I look at my personal, my own structural integrity, when I say, if I'm integrity, if I'm in integrity, being in integrity, yeah. it means I'm being true to myself.
1: Thank you. That's the ultimate integrity is true to yourself. Got it.
0: And here's something that's interesting. And I got this many, many years ago. Somebody said a drug dealer could, in fact, be in integrity. He could be totally operating integrity, being that he is true to his word. When he says, I'm going to do this, he does that. When he sells you this and says, it's 90%, blah, 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 it is that. He is totally in integrity
1: with who he says he is. However, one place where he's not or she's not in integrity is as a citizen.
0: Right. That's Would you class that as moral integrity, perhaps? Well, no, because, you know, societal, for societal integrity.
1: Societal integrity. Right. As a member of society that person lacks integrity. But, you know, you've often heard there's honor among thieves, (laughs) right? They have their own code. They have their own code, for sure. So within that culture, they're operating with integrity, but as members of society, they're not. No moral judgment on it. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as they legalize that drug that they're selling, now they're operating with (laughs) complete integrity. (laughs) It really is interesting. So... Well, let's do one more, because a lot of people on this call are in relationships. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to operate with integrity as a father, Mm -hmm. as a mother, as as a son, as a daughter, as a partner? Mm -hmm. Well, it means you have clear agreements (laughs) that you've aligned on and you're honoring them. And when you know you're not, you're responsible for communicating and cleaning up the mess. Mm -hmm.
0: Here's the fundamental that I think when we go back to integrity, and this is these are lessons that I've learned. Uh, you're familiar with some of them, but you know certainly when understanding, okay, purpose. When understanding operating system. When literally being cognizant of living true to your values, first off, you have to know what your values are. So you may be operating out of integrity and not even realize it because you're not clear on your values, yet they're deep down, you know, so that all of a sudden you realize that you're uncomfortable, you don't feel right, you're probably feeling stressed, anxiety, you may even be physically manifesting an illness and you can't put your finger on it until somebody one day sits down with you and goes... You know something? Have you ever considered what your values are versus how you're living your life? And they look at you and go, what the hell's a value? What are you talking about right now? And the next thing you know, uh, a whole door opens up to understanding
1: your life in a way more meaningful way. It's so great. When I'm working with executives, oftentimes, or middle-level managers as well, I'll have them spend a whole you know, a week in between sessions, identifying what's their purpose, what are their values, mm-hmm. what are their values, what's the work environment in which they're going to perform the best, mm-hmm. and write it up. It's almost like their they're mission statement. This is my purpose, these are my values, this is the way that I work, and this is the environment I work best in. And then we look are they working in the right place? Because if what their values are are different than what the owners' values are, the corporate values are, they're probably not going to be at home there, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be there, They're not going to do their best performance. You know, people who are doubting the leader of the company aren't going to be usually the best performers. Mm-hmm. So questioning whether they're in the right place or whether they have the right boss.
0: It's so interesting, isn't it, that when we consider. In that space, when you think about, and, you know, I've employed hundreds of people over the year and you've worked and coached thousands of people, of employees, as as well as business owners. But yep. You really start to understand that you can go through life hating your job every single day, grinding it out, thinking that's what it is, complaining about what's happening at the, you know, the pointy end of the spear and literally not aligning with the values of the management team and or the owner uh, for whatever reason, you just don't align, but you grind it out. That's living a life out of integrity because you're not being true to who you are and who you are is not that. It is not being that way. And, and I shine a light on it because I see it all the time because I've happened to be working with it is I see it in the government all of the time. I see government bureaucracy and I see those individuals the rank and file just grinding it out, but they're got the golden handcuffs at the end of it. And I'm going, seriously, you're going to live your life this way for for 30 years
1: just so you get a pension and then what you know it's crazy it's, it's crazy you know my part of my work part of my intention is that people have the experience when they're going to work that they're getting paid to be themselves mm-hmm. and if they can't create that in their job it helped them to engage in a serious conversation is are they in the right job mm-hmm life's too short not to enjoy it and not to be fulfilled. You know, that whole notion that it's going to be better later. <laughs> it's going to be better later. Yeah. I'm not interested in playing that game or seeing too many other folks play that game.
0: But here's the thing, Alan, and this is, I'd like to kind of unpack this a little bit with you. Right. Cause you've worked with so many owners as have I, and I've been an owner. I've been in this position I'm as I'm sure you yeah. have, you get an employee, and you, all of a sudden, you get clear on your business, where it's going, what it's doing, the culture, the alignment, the environment. You get a team all going one way. And then ultimately, it always seems the star pupil, the star sales guy, the star accountant or whatever it might be. He's, you know, you're in there doing a waltz and he wants to do the foxtrot or he wants to do a little rap. You know, it's like, no, that doesn't fit. And the next thing you know, you got to let go of one of your best people. And
1: that is painful. How the hell do you handle that? By swallowing the bitter pill. Mm -hmm. It's painful. It is. Or by knowing, knowing and telling the truth about it, that you're compromising. I'm compromising and I know I'm compromising and I'm going to compromise for six more months because I'm unwilling to take the risk of letting them go and watching the profit go down and whatever. But I'm got, here's my plan B. I'm looking for people. I'm going to get the right person to replace them. But for now, I'm compromised. In other words, I'm not going to be cut off my nose to spite my face, but you got to tell the truth about it. Now I'm working with one company where they're they're not telling the truth about it. There is Someone who's in a senior position who isn't honoring their guide th- their values. They're just not, mm-hmm. but only on him for his results. And, you know, uh that's a choice an owner gets to make. Um mine is not to judge.
0: Here's my belief, and I'm probably full of shit, but I'll say it anyways, is that in my experience, I've done both. Yes. I've kicked the can down the road, put it off, put it off. And that was really expensive.
1: Yeah. And yes. it,
0: it was costly.
1: Plus, I'm familiar with one of the times
0: you did that. <laughs> yes. And I'm out of integrity that whole time, really. And you were suffering. And just because I know it doesn't make it right. And the reality of it is, is that, and I know even on a sales, and I've seen this, had this experience in a couple of my businesses over the years, where you get rid of that kind of. Misaligned. I don't want to make them wrong because it's not that they're wrong. They just don't fit. They have different values. They got. They can. They'll probably thrive in a totally, you know, in another environment. They'll rock the world. Good for you. But here's the other thing: is I believe what I've come to believe on both sides. Whether you're the owner or the person that's working in that environment rip the fricking bandaid off and create the space for the universe to do what the universe does. And that is fill the void with the magic that we are aligned with because it just can't
1: help, but show up. If you stay true to it, that's my philosophy. What's your thoughts? I agree. You and I love each other because we have very similar philosophies, but you can't tell someone to do that. No, you can model it. You can do it yourself. But the guy who's or the gal who's running the company, you know, they've got to learn it for themselves that that's the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you only learn it by yourself, by doing it the wrong way a couple of times and seeing it didn't pay off.
0: <laughs> and I can tell you that in my uh, in my uh, 40 years of business, it seems all of my lessons are the hard way <laughs> and the most expensive way. That's what it seems like. I know it's not the truth, but, you know, today that's what it feels like. Some of us, you know, some of us have harder heads than <laughs> others, and it takes more work for it to get through. <laughs> oh, boy. But it's important, I think, to have these, these conversations and to really... Really, kind of self assess. You know, one of the things that I think is, I think this many years in, the people we work with and how we've evolved, you know, what do you do when you're working with somebody and you're trying to bring them to just creating? You know, I, I think the jer- first part of any journey starts with the awareness that you need to go on a journey. Yes, good, good. You know, and self awareness, it seems. People are not as self-aware as we think they would be or because we live in this, I don't know, I find that I'm in this constant world of self-assessment and self-awareness and trying to improve and be better and kind of looking at what I could have done better, whatever the story is. And I know that many of our clients are that way as well, but it's not all that common and people don't want to, many don't want to go on the journey. What the hell's with that, Alan? Come on, you're older than me. Tell
1: me what's with um, that. It's uncommon, common, and you know, our job is to make it more common.
0: Mm.
1: But it's uncommon. Mm. It is it's, uncommon. Again, going back to education, it's it's not that you you and I weren't raised to be self-aware. We weren't raised in that environment where that was valued. We had an experience at whatever age we did that went, aha, that's the answer. <laughs> Being more aware, being more aware, being more aware. And we both started playing that game, knowing that it's a game that has no, a mountain with no top. Yeah. Yeah. No top.
0: Yeah. There is no end to that game. The thought process, you know, when I think about, you know, the different bodies of work that you've done and, and that you've shared some of your insights with me over the years and that we've done there is no point of entry for anybody. There's tools that you look at and but you have to kind of discover what you're bumping up against. You know, one of the books that I know you're familiar with and I'm just, gosh, I could name dozens of them as you could, but a book that showed up for me is Untethered Soul. Sure. And, you know, Michael Singer and the work that he's done over the years, but really understanding what's underneath all of these things that we're trying to get to yes now are you when you're working with clients is that is that a body of work that you're kind of embracing
1: and you know asking those questions i'm not sure what the questions are because although i'm familiar with the book i didn't read it Mm, okay Okay. even though it's been recommended by many yeah so that now i'm I already have it on my list of books <laughs> that I will read someday, but I'm not, so I don't have you can write it down again. But there, there are fundamental questions, you know, and there is, there's a guy out of Harvard. Uh, he taught at Harvard Business School and he looked at executives and he said, extraordinary executives, the really the, the leaders of the leaders in, in the executive field They've all had what he's called a crucible moment. And for some of us, that's what it takes to turn towards self-awareness. So he defines a crucible moment where things, everything fell apart. Maybe your business tanked. Maybe your marriage failed. Maybe uh, uh, there was an illness that left you. But the the sentence that you said to yourself, the narrative is what got me here won't get me to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And until you get that some level of an experience that, yeah, all the success I've had, it's still not going to get me where I really want to go. I don't think people turn towards self-awareness because mm-hmm. they're still driven by external rather than internal. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's a great insight. You know, those are, and I think that's probably where we experience people in, you know, those individuals that no, they're good. They're going to do what they do and they're fine to ride off into the sunset, only ever doing that. And it's enough we live in a little bit different world where it never seems to be enough. There's always something else, another world to conquer, another, you know, investigation to take on another layer of development that we can embrace to be better. And, but that goes back to, you know, for example, your calling is that in order to live that calling, you have to continually be up in your game.
1: Oh my God, for sure. It's interesting. The, The more successful one gets the more challenging sometimes it is to stay true to one's calling because that success has a certain intoxication to it and you can get lured into it and seduced by it rather than, okay, no, that's, those are trappings. That are wonderful. I'm glad I have them. And here's my purpose. So I, you know, am always coming up with new themes of where I need to keep developing myself and need to keep growing always. Not to make my business better, but to keep me, you know, Dylan, Bob Dylan had He not busy being born, is busy dying. So you're either expanding or you're contracting. Good and line. You, Good line. If, if you're staying the same, you're contracting because the universe is expanding. So, you, you know, you and I are on a growth trajectory for ourselves and we put ourselves on that. You know, sometimes it's lonely to be on there. Sometimes we're judged by others For the values that we honor and you and i have both committed to staying true to it
0: there's something that i'm interested in from your perspective alan which is you know part of living a calling and being and you know one of the needs one of the human needs and and this is where i think we cross over perhaps into ego and we have to be careful of it but as human beings we need to be a contribution yeah and we actually need significance and that's, I think, where the line can get a little bit crossed because what does significance really represent? If you're being a contribution, you're being appreciated, you're making a difference in the world. That's going to give you significance. It doesn't mean to be necessarily be elevated or of course be put on a pedestal, but that's where meaning in life works. That's where significance kind of exists. And I know it's a funny little line and I'm not even clear on if there's a question in that or it's just a statement. I don't know if you can go anywhere with that thought process.
1: It's interesting because I know you're using the word significant differently. Uh, I've always, you know, looked at significance as heavy, Mm. but I know you're not meaning it as heavy and weighty and all you're loaded with significance, you know, but it's other people appreciating the difference you're making. You know, I think as employers or managers creating an environment where the people in it feel appreciated. You know, it's not just what you want from them, but you're creating this learning environment where mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes because we, we there are opportunities to learn and where people are validated for what they provided. I think that's critical for having healthy workplaces and on the personal level, healthy relationships, you know? yeah you know it's you,
0: i think that's i love what you gave me there because what i'm going to take away from that is you know that the word i think you and i want to go back to it is you know appreciation is another way that's really actually i think what i meant when i'm talking about significance it's really about appreciation and and perhaps
1: validation that i i matter totally and you know on the on the one hand you know on the journey that we're both on We want to be able to generate that experience independent of, you know, what's going on around us to get biblical again. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You know, know, one of the lessons I continue to have to to learn, uh, and I've learned it to a degree, but I'm not saying I'm done with it, is when I'm not being perceived by people I care about the way I want to be perceived. Mm. I think they're judging me and their judgments are wrong. <laughs> and I have 20 people who agree, but it still matters when that one person sees me that particular way. I, 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 I'm not one of those pieces Says, yeah. to the degree that it gets to me is the degree that I'm still attached to what people think mm-hmm. rather than am I being true to my values? You know, it's
0: interesting, and I don't know the exact quote, but it's not about what people think about you; it's what you think. It's what you think people are thinking about you, um, <laughs> and it's such a mess, isn't it? Yeah, that wallet. we get into. Wait.
1: So, <laughs> so when well, we look well, at what you think about you, <laughs> what they think about you, and then what you think they think about you, <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, it's such tools, a mess. All
1: things seem to matter.
0: Yeah humans were such a mess. So, yes. you know, I want to go a little bit into and tell me where this fits in when we talk about operating system. Yes. You know, you've been married a very, very long time, 45 yep. years? 45. 45 years.
1: Well, no. all right. We've been together 46. Yeah. We got married in 79. So we've married 44.
0: 44 years. Yeah. So I look at you know, the relationship, what does it take to be in that relationship? And I know it's not a straight line. It goes up and down. And and I think that, you know, Stephanie and I talk about it in our relationship. We've been together 30, we've a little over 30. We've been married 27 years. Like when we, when we get into it, we get into it like we go hard. And, uh, but it's, but there's a few things in terms of how we argue. Number one is we argue we never uh, insult. We never mean to hurt or, You know, we can debate shit really hard and we can be angry with each other, but it's not it's it's just in how we argue. It's not about the other person or making them feel bad or, you know, complaining about how they look like it's none of that. And out of that comes often growth. You know, we may pout for a day, but we always come back to each other knowing and being able to review, reflect and go, okay, here's where we need to get to. So it's not a straight line to have an amazing relationship. And the one agreement we do have is that we just will never leave each other.
1: Yeah, someone was a young person uh, about 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, they were getting married. They said, anybody who's been married for for 20 years or more right in this book the keys to staying married for 20 years or more and the somebody wrote don't get the div- don't leave <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the right. key to the key to a long marriage is not getting divorced Patrick, to what you said you know i i some of my work is with couples but either couples in a work setting you know where they're colleagues or couples in a relationship setting uh where they're lovers and um Something I got exposed to maybe three years ago, it was called uh, do do a retake. So any time you get into one of those things with your partner, the the first person to notice it says, wait a second, I think we need to do a retake here. Mm. And then you actually replay it being your better selves. So you don't just talk about what went wrong. Here's the way I... Could have said that. And then how would you have spawned and you actually play it out like someone just gave you a new script because what you're it's all up here. What you're doing then is creating that neural pathway so that next time you might be more likely to take that new script rather than repeat the same old fight. Do a redo, do a replay. You know, you know, my parents had a thing, you know, that they said, you know, never go to bed angry. So resolve your that mistake, that breakdown, resolve it before you go to bed and then do a, re- do a redo, do a do-over, take a mulligan.
0: <laughs> you know, there was an exercise. I don't know if it was you that gave me the exercise or anirog. And this was uh, years ago yep. in world of relationship. And I share this because I, yep. still, I will still do this every so yes. often when I know yep. I'm, uh, I'm not being my best self. Sure. And, and that is the exercise was this for the next for the weekend i think that was the assignment it was a friday for the rest of the weekend everything you do you put stephanie on the list so in other words if i'm going to go up and get a, if i'm going to go grab a glass of water stephanie i'm going to grab a glass of water would you like me to get you a glass of water she says i'm going to go up and take a shower Let me go and run the water for you. Make sure it's hot. Like think in terms of what am I going to do for my significant other? Every time I make a decision, every time I make a move, how will I include her? How will I fold her in so that that she's part of it? Like something that puts her in front of all of the decisions I'm making on at any given time. So it was like Focus on her for the weekend. And it was, I think I described the exercises. I remember it anyways. It's kind of how I do it anyways now.
1: I'm stealing that one. You didn't get that one from me, but that's going into my toolkit, and you, that's going to be coming out of my mouth next week with some of the couples that I work with. Thank I, I, you.
0: I'm going to tell you something. I did that for three or four days the first time. Yeah. And one night we went, we 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 curled up in bed, and we and uh, Stephanie rolled over to give me a kiss goodnight, and she says, "I just wanted to ask you one question. What did you do with my husband? Where did he go?" <laughs>
1: And is this a prank? (laughs) I I burst out laughing. You know, and on the other side of it, you know, one of the promises that I, when our relationship uh, got what I call stale, then it started becoming transactional. You know, we were relating to each other who was going to do this and who was going to do that. but it wasn't exciting. It wasn't joyous. It wasn't fulfilling. We weren't expressing a lot of love. I had this insight about relationships most relationships are usually the most exciting in the beginning Mm -hmm. and i went why why are they exciting in the beginning and i went oh because you don't know who the person is Mm -hmm. you're in this way of discovery Discovery, you're curious you're wondering and you're discovering then the brain takes over and you figure them out <laughs> okay now i know the way stephanie is now i know the way Catherine is if i want this do it this way if i don't want and so it becomes formulaic so i made a promise to Catherine, which i don't keep but i love the promise it's an imp- to never know who she is mm-hmm. so every day i have to discover newly who am i married to today mm. and like i say, i don't keep that but that's an aspirational promise to live in discovery with Catherine rather than to live in knowing, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, I I look at, um, you know, and I'm so blessed because Stephanie, it's like, she lives to look after me, yet she's a very busy, accomplished, busy, accomplished business person.
1: She doesn't need you.
0: And yet you guys have such a powerful (laughs)
1: partnership.
0: It's crazy how much she spoils me. I'm not as good at it, but she's come to realize one thing. That, you know, we live on, you know, a nice, beautiful, large property and I mow well, lawn and I do all sorts of things. I make sure that she doesn't ever have to worry about whether the lawn's mowed. And sometimes it takes precedent over a lot of things because I want to get stuff done, all the rest of it. And she goes, you know, she'll say to her friend, I know Patrick loves me because he mowed the lawn today. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's the, it's the only way I got, you know, to show sometimes. It's an interesting way of, of a relationship. And the point is, is that when you focus on that other person and take time. Yeah. To do that it's a whole new appreciation and uh but it's a practice like you have to literally consciously
1: do it Patrick I had when I was on the road a lot when I worked at Landmark and I was overseas or wherever I was I had an occasion in my calendar every single day and it said Catherine is present to how much I love her mm. it didn't say how I would, so there was either a text a phone call a message something because otherwise i'd get caught up and i said oh we're in a different time zone she's sleeping or whatever. but i put it in my calendar because i couldn't rely on my brain to do it but i wanted that result i didn't want the distance and the time apart to unravel what we had built mm-hmm.
0: now we talked a lot about you know, a lot of different things, but something I want to get, we covered a lot of ground here today. I want to just add, you know, when we talk about, okay, so how do I want to phrase this question? I have to think about it a little bit, but let me just put it out there and then we can work backwards from that. So I'm thinking about operating system. Yes. And the fact that we can consciously adjust and understand what our operating system is to put in corrections and improvements and do, or let's use a computer term. We can we can update it. Update it. So what, what plays into that is the, some of the things we talked about. You know, knowing what our values are shifts our operating system, right? Uh, understanding what our purpose is shifts our operating system because we have to show up and be a different way.
1: I think you mean something that you didn't say. Okay. So having a purpose or values demands that you update your operating system. It doesn't cause you to do it. Yes. Got it. It doesn't cause, you know, there's all those plaques on the wall about mission statements. And if people aren't actually changing their behavior, they're just slogans.
0: Beautiful. So that is really when then now when we kind of come full circle into this conversation about relationship. And, you know, we, of course, we threw in their careers and businesses and all the rest of it, but that's all really being aware and bringing our awareness to our operating system. How do we continue to upgrade and or, you know, expand on it, if you will, create capacity, because that's such an important part of it. You know, I can't say, I can't even express the capacity that I've gained, how much I've stretched over the past, I don't even five years. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Because you're open to that, but it's intentional. And that's what I mean. Uh, Oh, sorry. I didn't say it right. You're more than open to that. You're committed to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's uh, something that's very simple in my view and profound at the same time, three distinctions that I've noticed over the last six weeks and have been talking to people about that distinguish us from other mammals. So one is we have imaginations. Mm -hmm. So human beings can imagine things that don't yet exist Mm -hmm. for better or for worse. We can imagine calamities, (laughs) you know, we can imagine, you know, uh, growing, we can imagine being in an extraordinary relationship. The second thing we can do is we can commit. Just imagining that's like daydreaming. That's tripping. You're tripping, man. Then we can commit. So you not only imagine a better Patrick, you're committed to developing it. And that shapes how you spend your time and your energy. And then the third thing we can do is we can tell stories. You know, we make up a narrative, whether we want to or not, we make up a narrative about what's going on. And most people don't distinguish their narrative (laughs) from what's actually going. They think they're a narrative. Oh, I think I'm not good enough. No, that's a narrative. That's not a description of fact. So being able to, are we living in an empowering narrative? Have we imagined something that inspires us? And have we committed to living it? And I think those three things, you know, keep us, can keep us moving forward. You know, so the narrative that I live inside of is that I'm growing and developing Mm -hmm. and that everything that comes my way is an opportunity. Whether I succeeded or not, I live in a world of opportunity, not because I live in a different world than my neighbor, but because the narrative I have about the world is it's rich with opportunity Mm -hmm. and the future is not written. And getting back to full circle, you and I get to determine that. We get to write that future. And then live true to it and accomplish it, or have a good time failing to accomplish it.
0: Alan, we could go on a long time. We're going to have to do a part six,
1: no doubt about it. <laughs> I, you know, I love talking to you, Patrick. And <laughs> if, if the way I get to talk to you is you get to interview me again. I'm, I'm, all, I'm game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I and I'm hoping and I I'm confident that we bring a lot of great value and great insights to our listeners that maybe, uh, you know, kind of pique your interest and or uh, set them off on a path of uh, self-discovery and, you know, maybe shift trajectory for the better and to uh, give them some food for thought, if you will. You know, I often like to use Wayne Dyer's famous phrase, which is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And, you know, sometimes uh, what I like and love about the podcast and the guests I have and these kinds of conversations is I've really I've got proof of it because I've got lots of feedback over the years. But it really is kind of exciting when you know that somebody can take a comment, uh, you know, one of those kind of nuggets that we don't necessarily even intentionally throw out there. It's just part of the conversation. And it's almost it becomes a fork in the road. You know, That's right. It literally right. can be that profound. And, you know, when we talk about and I love this, uh, you know, the analogy of uh, shifting trajectory, right? You know, whether it's a golf ball or a, a, a snowball, you run down a hill A trajectory at the top of the hill, one degree out, you know, goes a long way, you know. And so you you can set a very positive trajectory, but it doesn't happen all at once. It It's a slow process and you just really intentionally set a trajectory and start working towards that. And yes. Alan, as we wind things down, I'm going to leave you with uh, the final words. Uh, any, anything you want to say that you felt you didn't say, and or is there any kind of profound guidance, an
1: insight that you want to share? Well, I'll, I, I, you just reminded me of a, a Woody Allen joke. Uh, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're coming, that's
0: true, right? <laughs> it's actually a great <laughs> quote. I love that one. I didn't know it was Woody Allen, though. Yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't.
1: <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I, I don't have anything profound to say, to, just to be clear about that. Final words, Patrick, I, I just uh, appreciate you. Uh, And I appreciate you for the opportunities you provide for for others. Mm. And, you know, from the first I met you, you know, you were all about whether you had named your purpose yet at that point or not. You were so clear that your businesses were about providing opportunities. Mm -hmm. And as a byproduct, you got successful. Your life was not driven by the gold ring. Getting the symbols of success, your life has been driven since I've met you by being the real deal and trying more and more and more to be the real deal in in your as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a business owner. And you know, there's not enough real deals out there. And I'm, I'm fortunate to consider you a friend and a colleague, and and for you to share your 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 audience with me. So thank you.
0: Thanks so much for that, Alan. And uh, we didn't go through all the rapid fire questions today, but the one question that uh, I don't ever pass on, and that is, uh, what are you grateful for today, Alan? Being alive and having another day to live true to
1: my purpose.
0: Beautiful. And I, my friend, am always grateful to have conversations with you, uh, to share uh, in these conversations at a time right now. This is very helpful for me. So I hope our guests got as much out of it as I got out of it. I'm also uh, always grateful for the life I live, the wife I have, and the family, the health. So thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today and look forward to the next one.
1: Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo@raincanada.com. At That's c e o r e i n canada.com. I look forward to hearing from you and until next time Patrick O.